We all know this story. We've heard it our whole lives. In Mark chapter 5, in verse number 25, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So we'd like to look at this work um, and see the lessons, the applications that we can find for us out of this. This was written for us, so certainly there's a message for us in that. So here's a certain woman. She's got an issue of blood. Issue, the word could mean a flux, and that means a, a continual flowing or passing of anything. So the word implies a continuity. This is not something that's intermittent. This is a continual problem. Uh, in Matthew, the word issue is a little different there. It could mean a hemorrhage, an escape of blood from a ruptured vessel. So here's a woman that for 12 years she's been plagued with this. And you know, you can think of, of uh, several different causes. She could have gave birth and uh, there had been a rupture in the womb that never healed, but there's a continual bleeding and a continual suffering that's been going on in this woman for 12 years. And maybe at this point she's getting near the point of death. I realize that's speculation. We'll try not to speculate as much as we can. But she's been afflicted. She's suffered this. And, and you know, the law of God, the law was of no help to her. On top of the physical suffering, maybe the physical weakness that she's enduring because of this continual loss of blood. Also, in Leviticus 15, verse 19, And if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days. Whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean until the even. And everything that she lieth upon in her separation shall be unclean. Everything also that she setteth upon shall be unclean. Whosoever toucheth her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean. Whosoever toucheth anything that she sat on shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the even. So even the law, with direction and prescription, about this situation. She's living in the land of Israel. She's a Jew, no doubt. 
So you know she's living under the restrictions of this law. So she's got the physical suffering and the physical pain and the physical trouble from this, but also by the law of God, she's also separated. She's separated from worship of God. She's unclean. She can't be at the temple. She can't be with her husband or her family. She's in a place of separation. And you know, normally uh, uh, this wouldn't be a continual thing. But God says in verse 25 of Leviticus 15, if a woman have an issue of blood many days out of her time. This woman had been in this condition for 12 years. She had been not only physically tormented, but she had been separated also by this condition. Now you think about how that sin is in man. I, I realize maybe maybe to connect the physical suffering with sin in our minds, maybe that's not the case. But we do know this. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no death until sin entered into the world. All of that was a judgment. All of that was with the curse of sin. All of that befell mankind. So uh, we endure all of that. We have to lose loved ones. As Ken said at the start of the service, we endure that suffering, that sorrow, that torment, and we all endure that. We all lose loved ones. You know why that is? Sin brought that suffering on. But sin also, it separates from God. Sin put man in a place that God could no longer accept him as his son. Now you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, without Jesus Christ, man's unacceptable. What happened that made man unacceptable? Sin. Sin entered in. Adam was the son of God. He was created by God. God was his father. And yet when Abraham fell, we see the Lord Jesus telling a group of Pharisees, you're of your father the devil. What happened? Sin. Man was separated from the goodness of God Almighty. And you know, in this life man is separated. He certainly is. But there's coming an even greater separation than what they experience in this world one day. There is a day of judgment. And I know everywhere you go, every funeral you go to, just about every preacher you hear that's got any popularity, everybody's going to heaven. And if you made a profession and if you believed your bedtime prayer when you were three years old, you get to go to heaven. But friends, that is simply not the case. That is not what the Word of God teaches. That is not what the Word of God says. There is coming a day of separation that every one of those that has not been saved and changed by the grace of God Almighty, they're going to be eternally separated. Now in this life, the sinner may experience happiness and joy. And they do. You know what that is? That's the mercy of God. That's God reigning on the just and the unjust. When it comes to rain and the dryness of summer, it don't just rain on saved people's fields. But God blesses the wicked with the saved. And so that's the way this life is. There is goodness of God in this life. But when that separation at that final judgment happens, and those that are lost and undone are cut off, 
They're going to be separated from God entirely. Cast into outer darkness. Cast into a bottomless pit. Cast into a lake of fire. Jesus says a furnace of fire. You know what a furnace is? A place that engineers have designed that there be burning there to heat your house. It's a place designed for burning. Well, this hell, the lake of fire, that's a place designed by God for the separation and the burning and the punishment for those stiff-necked, self-willed, hard-hearted sinners that rejected Him their whole life. And that separation is going to be from everything good. You notice the rich man in the book of Luke that lift his eyes in hell. What he had in this world that was good and that he enjoyed, all of that added to his torment. Abraham said, you were blessed. You fared sumptuously. You had great money. He had five brethren. I don't know if he had any more family than that, but I know he had five brethren who he loved and who he cared for, and even they were a torment to his mind in hell. He said, go send Lazarus back to them that they might be warned of this place. I don't want them to wind up here where I'm at. There's no good here. I'm continually dying, yet unable to die. Man, man can get to that place here that he's weary, that he's tired, that I'm ready to go. I remember Maxine. She had suffered for... She didn't suffer all that long, just to be honest. The Lord took her. But I can remember we were sitting in a living room with her. She was in her little chair and she was half in and half out of it. And she come to and she looked at everybody in the room and she said, I just wish the Lord had come get me. I'm ready to go. She was done with being there. But I'm telling you, in hell we'll wish to die and yet never be able to die. I would that we could see that, but I'm telling you that that's only weighty by the Holy Spirit. My words do no good to your heart. Only the Holy Ghost can open our hearts and let us to see that. So sin is the cause of this Suffering? Sin is the cause of this separation. Well, in us, sin is the cause of me being separated from God and sin is going to be the cause that I'm cut off and cast into the lake of fire. Now look what she's done. She suffered many things of many physicians. You know, you, you can see that today with our disease and with our modern medicine. Some of those treatments, chemo and radiation especially, they induce suffering. They make life to be harder. And we're willing to endure that suffering to try to treat us of this that's killing our body. We're willing to uh, uh, cast ourselves down at the hands of a physician and suffer to be cured of what we've got. Well, in this day, medicine's a whole lot cruder. They don't have MRI. They don't really know what's causing it. But old Doc so-and-so says, I think I know what will help you. And they experiment and they try and they do. You know all this woman wants? We just want, she just wants to be better. I'd like to be healed. I'd like for my life to be brought back to normal. I'd like to be able to live once again without this separation 
And without this suffering in my body, I'd like to have help. She desired it. She searched after it. She went to these physicians and she didn't just suffer at their hands, but she gave them every dollar that she had. The Bible says, suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had trying to get better. I realize we already, we already talked about this a little in Sunday school, but isn't that the way man is? Man thinks, well, I'll go to the altar and I'm going to do better after that. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start going to church and I'm going to do better after that. Or, uh, you know, I need to cut this out and I need to serve God. I need to pray every day. I really need to apply myself and study the Word of God. I, I need to listen to the preaching. I'm going to start doing better. This man says, well look, if you'll just do this and if you'll just believe this and if you'll just live like this and if you'll go to this place and if you'll do this thing, I'm telling you, it'll help you be better. There's a lot of that foolishness goes on today. Job said of his friends, now remember, Job's lost everything that he's got, including his health and his wife that he still has is telling him to curse God and die. And he's got friends that come to help him and all they do is accuse him of being sinful and wicked. And Job says, you're all liars and you're worthless physicians. You take payment and you do a work and it's all to no avail. Is that not what happens Man tries to do better. Man tries, if you want to say tries to be saved, in his own ability, the best that he can do, he's going to be baptized, we're going to join the church, and we're going to be better after this, and yet man is never improved. And people get to the point of, well, I'm not doing anything else anymore. There's nothing to that. There is nothing to what man does. Religion and man squeezing professions out of other men and women. There's nothing to that. There's no power to change a life. That's worthless physicians. These docs, they had nothing that they could do to help her. She had spent everything that she had. She had suffered in those treatments and was nothing bettered. There was not one benefit from any of it, but rather grew worse. Now you talk about disheartening that I'm going to do this and I'm going to try this. This is the way man is. I'm going to do better and in six months time he's worse than he was beforehand. Man thinks he's going to tame the devil and overcome and win victory for himself. Here this woman, she spent all the money that she had. She's endured all of these treatments And today she's worse than she was yesterday. Today she's worse than she was at day one. She's had no benefit from it. I would to God that man could realize that he's been religious and he's done good works and yet spiritually there's not been one benefit to anything that he's done. It's not made us any bit better. We're not any better than we were to start with, but if you're going to tell the truth, you're worse today than you were at the beginning. 
No, I, I don't know your heart. But the Word of God does. And He said in Ephesians 2, that was the nature and the course of this world. And I believe that's the course I was on and that's the course that all are on. <coughs> so she's in a place now. She's not been any better. She's only got worse. And you know, once, once she's spent everything and she's suffered and she's still suffering and her condition's growing worse, there comes a point that you say, you know, I'm not going to another dock. And it's, it's really not a choice for her at this point because she's got nothing else to spend on a dock. A place of despair and no hope. I know that sounds like, that sounds like a terrible place to be. But you know, it's the grace of God that gets a man to that place. Because as long as I think the next dock can fix me, as long as I think, you know, I'm going to get better because this is what I'm going to do to fix it, as long as I believe that I've got some ability in me to do something about my lost condition, I'll never look to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's too hard to get to. He's too far away. There's no way I can do that. I'm not going to seek after Him as long as I've got trust in something else. But the grace of God through that quickening of the Holy Spirit, it brings me to a place I can remember the weight of sin that was on my back sitting in the church house the morning I got saved. I remember we got up to stand at the end of the service and I couldn't even stand up. I couldn't lift my head up. I didn't even want to look at the preacher. You know what had happened? God had brought to my realization my hopeless condition and I knew there's nothing I can do about this. It was grace that brought me there. And it was grace that then revealed to me the Lord Jesus Christ. So she's got to a place, you talk about rock bottom, spiritually, naturally, she's at rock bottom. That's where man that gets saved, that's where he comes to. I'm sure you've heard somebody that's not lost can't be saved. Maybe we said that last time we were here. That's why they say that. Man doesn't need a physician unless he's sick. Man doesn't need healing unless he's wounded. And so here, she's growing worse, but when she heard of Jesus, don't read over that. Don't make light of that. She's going to hear of one that can make a difference in her life. So is that not the same way that everybody does. They're brought into darkness by the conviction, we would say conviction, by the quickening grace of God Almighty. We experience the weight of our sin. We're afraid of the judgment. But then we hear of Jesus. We've not seen Jesus. We've not seen God. No man has seen God at any time. But we hear She's not in front of Jesus seeing Him work miracles, but somebody's going to tell her about this man Jesus. And listen, let me tell you what He's done. Let me tell you about how He's helped people. Let me tell you what I've witnessed Him do. You know, that's what the church is doing. That's what the preacher does. He is a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he said in Romans 10, verse 
15 are right in there. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. What a wonderful message that there is to be preached and heralded to our world today. We've got a world, and uh, I would venture to even say we've got families full of people that are in darkness. You know where this woman was? She was in a dark place. But thank God there was somebody that said, you know, I know a man that I believe can do something about this. And so the church, as we live, move, and have our being in the world, the preacher as he's standing behind the pulpit, the teacher as he's teaching, you know what we're all doing? We're all witnessing of this man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, if anybody's going to be saved, they're going to have to hear about him. He's got to be heralded. And he chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. So when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched His garment. So, I'm sure you've probably heard this before. Jesus is thronged. There's people everywhere. We know He feeds 5,000 men, not counting women and children in the wilderness at one point. I don't know whether there's 5,000 around Him or not. But He is thronged by people. They're shoulder to shoulder. And in order for this woman to get to Jesus, she's going to have to go through the crowd. I hate going to a place that's crowded. I hate it. But you know, when I really need something, I'll go fight the crowd. And you will too. When you're really sick, you'll go to a crowded doctor. When you're, we've got a broke leg on a Sunday night at midnight, you'll go to the emergency room. We don't have to hate those places, uh, but when the need arises, we'll go. Well, here she is. She's got a need. She believes that this man can help. Now listen, I've, I've heard this preached many times. And I've heard this said of her credit. Look what she's doing. But I tell you what I believe. I believe this. If you look at this with where we looked in Ephesians 2, I believe you could say that this shows how persuaded that she was of the Lord Jesus Christ. So she is so persuaded that this man can heal her that when she comes and sees a multitude of people, that doesn't throw her off. You know, you hear men say, well, don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about what people are going to say. I tell you, when, when God is really dealing and convicting, that won't matter. Here's a woman with a multitude of people. She may have had to get down on her knees and crawl along uh, underneath the feet of people to get to where the Lord Jesus was. I tell you this, she fought the crowd and she fought the press and she pushed through to get to the Lord because her heart and her mind was absolutely persuaded that Jesus could help her. I tell you, when man gets lost by the conviction of God and they hear of the Lord Jesus, it won't matter who's in the house. It won't matter if family or mom and daddy's there. When God's a drawing, they'll come. And they'll fall. And preacher, I ain't ever going to cry in front of anybody. I tell you, God gets a hold of you. You'll cry in front of them. See, this is the work of the grace of Almighty God. 
And the Lord will the Lord will show that. I want you to look just for a minute though. Thinking about hearing of Jesus, think about this gospel message that there is to sinners today. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering, oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. What about from Aaron and Moses all the way to Caiaphas in the Lord Jesus' day? Thousands of years, thousands of sacrifices, and man was none better. You see that? Solomon, and I may have this wrong, but I believe on the day that the temple was completed, Solomon killed 120,000 lambs as a sacrifice unto God. Can you imagine the blood that was poured out from that place? But you know, that didn't pay for one sin. The, The priest at the temple every morning and every evening they were killing something they were offering blood they were offering animals they were offering goats they were offering bulls and yet the sinful condition of man never improved but boy here comes Jesus Christ and he's offered himself one time after he had offered one sacrifice for sin sat down on the right hand of God he's not like the priest offering morning and evening he offered one time and his offering was sufficient the job is done and in Jesus Christ he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified is there a more glorious message than that God has taken our sins and the law that had us separated and at the cross of Calvary nailed it there, the Lord offering His body in our place. What a message that there is to preach and to proclaim the gospel. And when God, when God really opens a man's eyes or a woman's eyes or heart to the message of the gospel and his sinful condition, they'll come to the altar. They won't need a song to come to the altar. They won't need three songs to come to the altar. They won't need the preacher to come beg them to come to the altar. When God's drawing and working, God will bring them without fail. Why, preacher, the the house is full tonight. They're not going to come. I'm going to tell you, I was in such a dark place under the conviction of God. I didn't care who was in the house. And neither did she. She's crawling to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she's not looking for attention either. She's coming up behind. And she says now, if I can just get to the hem of His garment, the hem, if I can touch that, I believe I'll be healed. Now it's one thing for a man to be able to, to lay hands on somebody and say, you're healed. And that work. That's one thing. But here's the Lord Jesus. He's walking in a crowd. And this woman's going to come up unbeknownst to anybody and touch his clothes. And Jesus is not going to know she's there. And she's going to be made whole. My God, what kind of power 
has this man Jesus got? But that's what this woman is persuaded of. If I can just get to him and touch the hem of his clothes, it don't matter whether he knows who I am or not. It doesn't matter whether he knows I'm here or not. But if I can just lay hands on him, I can believe I can be healed. You see what the picture is there? In the Old Testament, the lamb, maybe at the Day of Atonement, they bring the lamb up and the man leads it to the temple, to the priest there, and the man lays his hands on that lamb and he confesses. That's what they did. They did it every year. You know what they were confessing? Their sin, their shortcomings, their failures, all of the iniquity that they had committed. They're there confessing with their hand on the lamb. God's saying your sins are being transferred to that lamb and that lamb's going to have its throat cut to pay for your sins. I know maybe that's grisly, but my God, it's the truth. So you know what God's going to do? God's going to bring the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and He's going to impute all of our trespasses and all of our sins onto Him. Surely He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. For our iniquities and for our transgressions and by His stripes we are healed. God is laying what I deserve on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord is going to take this disease away from this woman unto Himself. And because He's the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, it doesn't take away from Him in the least bit. That's, that's what's amazing. That the Lord can reach me. And if you, if you picture it as a barrel, and all me. He went all the way down and scraped the very bottom where I was. And he brought the worst of the worst out. And Paul said the same thing. I am the chiefest of sinners. And so God reaches down and pulls out the lowest of the low and the worst of the worst. And you know what? He's not hurt by it in the least bit. But we're benefited by it. God has saved the worst of the worst and He's still God. Jesus is going to take this woman's disease and He's not going to be diseased. How can that be? He's the perfect Lamb of God. He's bore our griefs and our sorrows. So she's fully persuaded that the Lord's able to help her and she comes in the press behind and says, if I shall touch but the hem of His clothes... I shall be whole. Think about the Scripture in Romans. If you want to turn there, in Romans chapter number 4. Now the Lord there is speaking uh, uh, of Abraham. And you know how Abraham was promised? He was promised a family. He was promised a nation. He was promised a land by God Almighty. And the Bible says in Romans 4 verse 18, who against hope believed in hope. If you skip down to verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. In verse 21, and being fully persuaded what he had promised, he was able to perform. You know what Abraham was? He was completely persuaded that God was going to carry out what he had promised. This woman is completely persuaded that Jesus can take care of this issue of blood by touching the hem of his garment. And sinners, 
that come for salvation by the Holy Spirit of God. Remember the gift of faith that we talked about? God will persuade them fully that the Lord is their only hope and unto Him they'll come for healing and for help. So in straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. This didn't take a week or a month or a year, but she's going to touch and she can feel the change in her body. She doesn't have to go check, but she can feel that she's made whole in her body. Now maybe this, maybe this is tough to picture, but she's lost this blood for so long, she's probably weakened, she's probably sickened, she's low on iron, all manner of things that she's endured because of this loss of blood. When she touches the Lord, it's not just that the bleeding stops, but she gets strength too. You see that? She feels in her body that not just the problem is solved, but that also she feels normal again. Her strength has come back. I, the, the work of Jesus, just in the natural healing, is amazing the power that he's got. Was it, was it Naaman that was the leper? And when he dipped seven times, it wasn't just that the leprosy was gone, but the Bible said his skin was like a child's skin. That's the way the Lord works. The Lord brings sinners to him that are defiled, that are wicked, that are sinful, and he doesn't just take away their guilt and shame, but he changes their life. They are resurrected in Jesus. They are made to be new creatures and from that day forward they live in a different manner. Uh, I guess some of the most popular scripture in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5 If any man be in Christ he is a new creature. The work of God changing those that are placed in Christ. See, she's, she's not just going to get the blood dried up. She's going to get up a new person. Her weakness, her sickness is gone. The time of her separation is solved. Jesus has taken care of all the need. And Jesus immediately, knowing that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? So picture it. He's walking in a multitude. All of a sudden he stops and says, Who touched me? Now Peter and the disciples, they say, Lord, you've been touched everywhere. They're jostling and bouncing off of one another. There's no telling who touched you. What are you talking about? Maybe there's a dozen people in the last 30 minutes had brushed elbows or shoulders with the Lord as they're walking on the pathway. But Jesus stops and says, Who touched me? There was a difference in her touch. You see that? Everybody else brushing up and touching Him, that wasn't a touch of faith. But this woman, she touched Him in faith. And virtue. Now does this mean that like your gas tank on your car, you drive to 
hot springs in back and your gas needles moved down and you've got less in it than was when you started. Is that what he's saying when he says virtue gone out of him? He's lost some strength? No, no, what he's saying is he knew that there was a work that's done. It's not that he's got a limited supply and he's running out of it. But Jesus is aware of what's happened. Now the disciples and the people round about, they have no idea that anything's happened. And they say, Lord, you're crazy for even suggesting why somebody touched you. Look at all these people. So what's he doing? Verse 32, he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. Remember Psalm, I believe it's Psalm 107. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Remember in Revelations 12 or 13, they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You know what He's looking for? Some gratitude and some glory for the work that He's done. Is that unreasonable? You're telling me that the Lord has delivered you from sin, saved you from hell, because He came and endured the suffering in His body, and He endured the death in His body to take your place, and He's going to come to you and save you out of your condition, and I'm not going to be thankful to Him. If you were low on money and somebody paid your house payment this month, you'd thank them. You'd probably tell somebody else, you know what so-and-so done? They thought about me when I was in need and they helped me and I appreciate that. You know why there's no thankfulness and no gratitude towards Jesus Christ in our world today? They've never been forgiven. If they had... If they had experienced what this woman experienced, they would have been thankful. They'd be grateful for what he was done. And he's looking for a testimony. And I believe this, when God does a work, I believe there'll be a testimony with it. There'll be a testimony as to what God's done. Because nobody knows anything has happened in this situation. And he's looking about. Now here's the woman, she's afraid. She thinks if he finds me, he's going to get me. I'd better come forward. Now, think about this as well. Fearing and trembling. She's probably afraid of all the multitude. You know what she's going to have to do? She's going to have to tell what was going on, why she came, and what happened when she touched. There's some shame there. But I believe that in the heart of her that's been healed here, The gratitude overweighs the fearfulness. And she comes forward and fell down before Him and told Him all the truth. I don't know if you've ever thought of this before, but the Bible says that she had this issue 12 years. How did they know? I mean, Peter, James, and John, they didn't even know she was healed when she came. How did they know all this? I believe right here. As she comes before the Lord and bows down, she's confessing all of this to the Lord. I've had this issue for 12 years. I've endured many treatments. I've spent all the money that I've had. Nothing's been able to help me, but I heard about you and came and touched you and you've made me whole. I felt it immediately when I touched you that I was whole. You know what she had? A testimony. She's not telling something silly. She's not up there telling jokes. But she says, this is what God did 
Andy! You reckon the Lord would like for us to share what He's did for us as well? If you'll have it, He's going to make her tell it. He's going to make her tell it to everybody there. And He's going to receive glory. And i tell you what we're going to get out of it. Her telling it allowed Mark, Matthew, and Luke to know about it and allowed them by the Spirit to write it down and we're able to understand and hear a preached message from it because she told what the Lord had done. Now you say, well, my testimony don't matter much. I say this, if God's done it for you, then let's be thankful. You don't know how far it's going to go. Did she know that 2,000 years later we'd be preaching about her? Absolutely not. But I say this, I'm glad. I'm glad she told what the Lord done. She fell down and told him all the truth. In Psalm 103. I'll turn there and we're, we'll just, we're just about to finish. Psalm 103. I want you to listen to what David wrote here. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles? He's looking back on his life and he's remembering all of the benefits, all of the good that he received at the hand of God. And he's praying, he's singing, Lord, let me not forget how good that you've been, but let me sing of your goodness in the congregation all of the days of my life. I think sometimes we lose that Psalms. That's 150 songs. That's the Old Testament songbook. David wrote that and said, let's sing this forever. All the benefits that God has shown us. So, Jesus says, she testifies, she tells what's been done, daughter thy faith hath made thee whole. So Jesus is going to clarify. Daughter, it wasn't your work in getting here that made you whole. It wasn't that you simply wanted it bad enough that made you whole. It's not even the fact that you crawled through three or 4,000 people to get to me and touch me. That's not why you're whole. And you know, let's bring it to today. It's not because we went to church and growed up there that we're whole today. It's not because we were baptized that we're whole it's not because we've been good and we've done good and we've worked hard and we've been good parents and we've been good people and we've tried to believe and we've tried to... None of those things are why that we're whole today. No, if you're saved, it's faith that made you whole. It's the very persuasion of God in your heart. And if it wasn't for faith, would she have come to touch His garment? <coughs> If she wasn't persuaded when they testified and witnessed to her, she would have said, that's a bunch of garbage. 
I don't believe none of that. Ain't that what people say today? You, you try to tell people what happened to you when you got saved. Tell people in the world. What are you talking about? Spirit. I had a fellow ask me one time, what happened when you got saved? I tried my best to tell him. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you I got saved and that didn't happen to me. What are you talking about? You're crazy. But boy, when, when the testimony hits a heart that the grace of God is acting on, i tell you what resulted was a persuasion in her heart that this man could help her and it was that faith that saved her. Remember in Hebrews 11, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. There's no amount of good that I'm able to do that's going to please God Almighty. There's no amount of praying that I'm going to do that's going to change God's opinion and Him be pleased with me. Without faith, it's impossible. So what's that tell me? I'm going to have to come in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. All of those other people that touched Him that day, all of those other people in that multitude that rubbed elbows with Jesus that day, there was no virtue went out to any of those people. You reckon faith was missing? And yet this, this woman, this woman that spent every dollar she's got and she's got nothing, nothing but suffering. She comes to the Lord in faith and the Lord heals her. In Romans chapter 3, we'll stop right here, verse number 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. I believe that will tie in with Ephesians chapter 2, lest any man should boast. It's not something that I did that resulted in my salvation. Rather, it was grace that came and that resulted in my faith. That resulted in me coming to Jesus. That resulted in my confession. And if there was no grace, I would have never come. Just like with her, if there's no persuasion, if she's never persuaded of Jesus, she's never making the journey to come. So what does it all boil down to if you're in the church house today and you are saved? It is completely a work of God that got you here. God and God alone is the reason that you're saved. So what ought we to do? We ought to sing His praise. Thanks be unto God. Let us not forget all of His benefits.